0: It's time for another episode of Drew Drogie's Minor Revelations. Why, hi. How's it going? Um, I am very excited today because uh, I have two very special guests. Um, one of whom is uh, in town from Seattle. His name is Matt Baum, and he has a fantastic podcast called Sewers of Paris, which uh, he interviews uh, LGBT people about... A, a sort of a, a piece of pop culture that influenced them uh, as a child, and just sort of, and and so um, I got to do one um, about a year ago. God, I don't remember when I did it, but I talked about the nineteen sixties Batman show, um, and uh, it was always on like many times throughout the day, and how much I loved it. And anyway, um, it's a great podcast. Check it out. It's called Sewers of Paris, um, and then. Um, Uh, and and he's just in town for the weekend so it worked out perfectly for him to be here and then my second guest is the fantastic, the glorious, the amazing Lauren Lapkus who we all know because she has a wonderful podcast called With Special Guest Lauren Lapkus I'm going to say that again, With Special Guest Lauren Lapkus um, which is another wonderful podcast in which she brings people on and she's their guest on their own podcast so she gives her guests the hosting job and she comes on as a different character and it it is so funny it's just crushingly punishingly poisonously wonderfully perfect and um and she's also on a show called Crashing on HBO with Pete Holmes and um uh, he uh, is watch it she plays his wife on on Crashing on HBO so um i'm i'm just really excited to um to welcome both of them to the show and um I know. Last week, I talked about uh, Gary Austin, who who passed away, and I was gonna talk about something else, but I just had an, an um another friend of mine and and a, a someone who was beloved in the comedy community pass away yesterday, and I wanted to just give another tribute. Sorry to be maudlin, but but also not sorry. I want to celebrate. This person's life, um, and and his name was Gary Shapiro. Um, he and I did a lot of shows together, uh, in just around L.A. A lot of storytelling shows, um, something called Sit and Spin, where we just get up and tell stories, and he did a lot of music with that. So he would always come out in these crazy costumes, and and you know, or would, or we would just sing these insanely wildly, inappropriately filthy songs. And Gary was just somebody who always wanted to make everybody around him happy, and that's what I immediately thought last night when I got the news that he had passed away um It was every time you were around him, he had a joke he was someone that was always on with a joke in a really delightful way in some way that I could never be i was always i'm always sort of taken aback and amazed by these kind of magician people who are always. Kind of on because I always I always kind of feel like I'm kind of dull and uh, you know, <laughs> thanks for listening to my podcast. Um and um, but he just he he wanted to make you laugh in the moment on the spot right then and right there. He always had weed on him. It was like he always wanted to get everybody high. He wanted everyone to feel <laughs> as great as he was feeling. And he also there were these great moments and I think about how he would Really take a time to compliment people and let them know how much he thought of their talent. And and he that was always in him to do. And um, he just would always be at the parties and he's the life of the party, but he would pull you aside and be like, I just want you to know, I, I think you're really great and really funny. And um, which a lot of people don't do uh, directly like that. And you know, I, I wish I had more of a of a a specific story with him, other than we we just did. We always ended up in these lineups together. We ended up at these crazy parties together, and he was he was always there. And. I just think about the the blessing and the curse of being in this this business because you know so many people, um, and, and in a lot of ways, more intimately than people who um, who don't do this know each other, because you have to immediately be vulnerable and naked, and sometimes you work on something together for a day, but you're there for 12 hours, and you have a lot of downtime, and you get to know each other really well, or sometimes you have to make out with someone you just met, or you have to cry and and weep and dig into your soul with this person that you've just met. And so it makes you very bonded. I mean, there are people, you know, LA, you know, everybody laughs about because everybody talks about uh, my best friend everyone, or everyone's my good friend, my good friend, so-and-so, my good friend, so-and-so. And I think, um, yes, a lot of that is the the gross game of we want everyone to know that we're friends with very important people. But I also think there's the part of us that we come out here to do this because, there's part of us that really wants to have these intense friendships, and we want to be deeply understood, and we want everyone to love us. And there are so many people in this that we get to know. Um, I feel so lucky that I that I get to I know some of the, the funniest, smartest, most fucked up people. Um, but then on the other hand, there's a sadness to it because you don't really know them as well. You're very separated. You go for... Months or years without seeing people and people that you refer to as your really good friend, or you know, um, and then you know, there are people like Gary who I always loved and enjoyed, and he was not a close friend, but I definitely considered him a friend and I definitely saw him and I and I always felt like he saw me, and that is, um, something that makes me very, very grateful, and um, he is online check him out Gary Shapiro check out his check out his stuff and um, always just like you know don't be afraid to tell somebody that you think they're great uh, or to you know make them smile um, with jokes or drugs or (laughs) compliments or anything Um, thank you Gary Um, this is like way too early to say goodbye Oh my God, I'm sitting here with Lauren Lapkus and Matt Baum. Hi guys! Hi! Hi. How are y'all? Very well. How are you? Wonderful, I'm great. I'm really great. I, I think this is the first this is terrible it's 1pm and this might be the first time I've talked all day out loud and so like I'm, I'm, I am I'm sound a little hoarse but other than that I think I'm fine no you sound classy oh <laughs> thank you nice. I sound scotchy yeah,
1: exactly <laughs> I took a nice like hour and a half nap right before coming here so I did. a little oh, You yeah. did? wonderful so
0: what time did you get up this morning I got
1: up at like 8 I had a dermatologist appointment so I got up and went and drove really far and did all that and then I came home and I'm like I'm exhausted I'm taking a nap
0: but those are also so I mean, I, I, all of that stuff is um, exhausting. My dermatologist and dentist and everything are all on the other side of town, and it's a lot. And it's yeah. also emotional, even when you're just going
2: to just get like a like a mole check or something easy. But like, it, it I I get that. Yeah, yeah I'm getting poked and prodded. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had a, an appointment for um, I just had like a bump. And you know, like every time I have yeah a bump, it's like, oh well, that's the end of my life. That's <laughs> it. That was it. Exactly. <laughs> and then so everything is of course totally fine. But <laughs> the doctor was like, "How's your vitamin D?" And I'm like, "I I don't know." what? Oh, <laughs> oh wow. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. So I live in Seattle, and so it's overcast and gray all the time. Right. She's like, "Let's check your vitamin D," like out of nowhere. And oh. turns out, um, normal levels are like around seventy or so, and my levels were like five. <gasps> so oh my gosh
1: How you test it? <laughs> they
2: just a little bit of blood. And, wow. Uh, yeah. And so... Um, so do you just drink a lot of milk or how do you get uh, vitamin D? You could either just like go on an all tuna fish all the time diet <laughs> or you can take pills and so you can take like a little supplement.
1: I did take... I was just in London for four months and I was getting very depressed from the gloom mm-hmm. and I started uh-huh. taking vitamin D pills and I felt... I, even if it was a placebo I felt happier. Yeah. I was like... Really? Hey, my really? Pills. Yep. Yeah. That is, that is same so way. crazy
0: because we're here and we're with the sun all the time and we yeah. complain about it and like it's been very windy this week in yeah. LA and, like, these crazy winds. Um, but, like, that's it. Like, that's what we talk about. Like, this morning I woke <laughs> up and I uh, I walked into my kitchen and i left the windows open. I had these, like, slatted, like, windows. Like, my building's like a 60s building. And so I had these, like, i left the the windows open all night and the wind was howling all night and I just didn't really hear it or I just slept right through it. But I woke up and my a roll of paper towels had mm-hmm. had blown into the sink and they were completely just, like, soaked. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, I looked at the roll of paper towels, and I just said, The
2: wind. <laughs> and
0: I was like, What, like, Douglas Cirque movie am I in right now? Where I'm walking in, I'm like clutching my pearls, like, The wind. <laughs> like, who was that for? And why was I so dramatic about it? But, like, that's how we are in LA. Like, it's no. like if it's windy or if it rains, it's like you would just you'll hear about it for weeks, and everyone's like, But the weather in other places, it is like, you know, and Seattle's known for being. Very cloudy and, and gloomy, as is London. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember watching Doctor Who as a child and being like, it's so foggy there all the time. It, like, that was what I <laughs> London was to me as a kid. And Matt, you are, um, we hung out in Seattle. I spent the greatest week in Seattle, the best time. Yeah,
2: I love it up there. It's the best city, I love it so much. And how long have you been there? oh, two and a half years or okay. so. I was in L.A. And then, uh, so I was here, I was working on the Prop 8 trial. I uh, was doing a lot of marriage equality communication stuff. And uh, then we won. Hooray. And Yay. Gay marriage returns. And so my partner and I were like, okay, look, uh, we don't like to drive. We don't like the heat. <laughs> uh, maybe this isn't the city for us. Uh-huh. So we did this big road trip around the country. And we went to, we drove from L.A. up to Seattle. And then we drove from Seattle to Chicago and then Maine. And then we drove back down <gasps> through Pennsylvania to Denver. And wow. along with way yeah, So we were two, Things. We are auditioning cities to be like, what do we like? You went then we, Pennsylvania that's so to Denver, awesome. yeah. So you yeah. just cut out the whole southeast. Well, here's You're the like, thing: you are like, we
0: don't need to look at, you know,
2: we were <laughs> Decatur. like, Decatur. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's. I'm sure there's lovely things out in the out in the mm, Alabama's and Mississippi's and Tennessees and things. But uh, yeah, I mean, the whole point of leaving LA was like, we hate the heat, so uh, maybe, yeah, maybe not the south. Yeah, 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 and yeah,
0: just for lots of reasons. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to be the, you know, yes, gay couple in the south. I mean, not that there there are plenty of, you know. Happy, thriving gay people in the south, but yes, I get it. And
2: and then like on that trip, the other thing that we were doing was we were interviewing all these queer gamers. And so like around the country, we were just stopping into every town because I'm a journalist, and my partner works in the game industry. And so we were just doing these video interviews with gamers about like, oh, what's it like to be a queer gamer where those two things collide with each other? That's so interesting. We were kind of talking about that before. Can you? Yeah. Talk, you're you're making a documentary about that? right? Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's called Playing with Pride, uh-huh. and uh, you can go to playingwithpride.com. Yeah, and I love so that title. we talked to like over a hundred people. That, wow! being at that intersection. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm an outsider, like a double closeted basically. Uh-huh. Like I, I can't tell people I'm a geek and I can't tell people I'm gay and when I go to Pride, nobody wants to play Risk and when I go to my game night, nobody wants to talk about queer stuff. Nobody understands what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, uh, it's raining men. Uh, <laughs> sure. The first gay reference that comes to mind. <laughs> the is weather girl. I'm in yeah.
1: singing that. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. And you're dressed exactly
0: like Antoine Merriweather from The Living Color. <laughs> so, you know, hey, we get it. <laughs> Loud and clear. Yeah. That is so interesting though because We were also talking about like, you know, in gay culture, like not what's celebrated is the sort of is the the hot, uh, loud, the divas, the, you know, the real housewife. Just that what's in our culture to like to be like, that's what gay people should all want to talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're like a gay nerd, which is definitely what I am. It's like, I want to go to a gay party and talk about, you know, like, weird, obscure B-list, you know, uh, actresses or, like, weird indie movies or whatever. And, like, that's sort of, like, not what a lot of people want to talk about. And that's, I think it's similar, like, what you're, like, with the gaming thing. And then I'm sure a lot of gamers are straight. And so that's that's also, like, you get into sort of a culture. And you don't want to just be the guy who brings up all the gay stuff all the time because you're the gay guy. but
2: you are shaped by that. We talked to one guy who's like when I come out I let people know you get one question because I'm tired of like, I get we oh. have to be the ambassador for whatever right. we are, but he's like, I'm just so sick of answering every single question everyone has ever had. Because he lives in the middle of nowhere and like, he's often the first gay person people know that they've met.
1: Wow. Like, Isn't
2: that crazy? I
1: can't imagine. Yeah.
2: Like, can you imagine like being like, that is it?
0: And, I, like, and, and you're I, an
1: adult and you're like, I've never met one. Yeah, I, like, I know. What? In
0: 2017.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Who pays for dinner? <laughs> Who leads when you dance? <laughs> you know.
1: Do you eat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know what the questions would be. I guess, like, I, I take it for granted that. I I mean I grew up in a place that had all different types of people but like right. what do people what would someone be asking him Oh
2: well dreadfully there's there's always the sex questions which is like you oh people just
1: straight out ask that Oh, yeah. oh they do
0: that's so but weird. that's the, that's the weird thing is that like it immediately sexualizes you mm-hmm. but by, yeah. by being gay it's like that thing where you're like yeah I'm gay whether or not I have sex like it doesn't matter like mm-hmm. that right. you know you, and it's like Jackie Beat really said it on one of the earliest episodes of the show she was like you know, uh, like, guys in prison can have sex with each other, and that doesn't make them gay. You know, I can be gay and not have sex. You know, it's like a thing where you're like, it, it, sex and, and and sexual identity are very different. Right. Yeah. But it is, yeah, they, they, they do want to know that a lot of the
2: time. And then <laughs> it's, it's so, so weird. strange. Yeah. It's, and then there's always, like, the which one's the girl? Or, you know, whatever. Like, who's the housekeeper?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, like, <laughs> wrapped in misogyny <laughs>
0: yeah. and... Oh, all kinds of crap. That is insane. Where did you grow up, Lauren?
1: I grew up in Evanston, Illinois, which okay. is right outside of Chicago. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, yeah, sure. yeah.
0: And that's where. What's the um, uh, the school that I'm Northwestern? Northwestern. Yes. Thank you. I was like, there's a. That I was going to say
1: Jeremy Piven's from there. Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> uh, uh, yes, he's from there. Uh, so we're going to talk about entourage
0: for the next hour. Okay. <laughs> and so that's who's your Are, are you more of a turtle or no? Uh, <laughs> um,
1: and and the Cusacks also. Oh yeah yeah oh, yeah. yeah. Nice little claim. Sure.
0: Him. Yeah. And the Pivens and the Cusacks. They they were they were all big theater people in Chicago, right? Yes, and right? there
1: is the Piven Theater in Evanston. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Did you ever work with them?
1: Um, no, I did. I have not, and it is a dream. Is I love a... Joan Cusack. Well, I love Joan Cusack. I Cusack's,
0: love you know? Joan Co- yeah. Joan Cusack as well. Yeah. I got to do. You know, do you know Shira Piven? Surely. No, Shirley.
1: I never. See, I never did the theater. I like actually like actively didn't do it when I was a kid. I I was like my friends were doing it. And I was like no, even though I really wanted to. Oh, I so love I that. I, yeah. So That's I so didn't funny. actually. A lot of my friends were taught by her and burned Piven as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because. Yeah, because Shira has done a bunch of workshops and stuff out here, and I've and I've done classes with her. And she's amazing, and you know, and just so the tiniest bit of that pivot training and that from that in Cusack and all that, that yeah. they you know, is um, it's great, and it's like I I loved going. Into, and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm really back in school because like they are legit, like, yeah. They're the real deal thing. What was, it's so fascinating, and there's, there's so many people who become adults. who become actors as adults, that's what I'm going to say, have this weird resistance as a kid to doing it... What was I, that about? What do you think? I
1: did like plays. We had a children's theater in my town where like you mm-hmm. could audition and do like a play just like in general. It was at like, the community center. And I did some of that, um, but I didn't want to take classes. I think I was afraid of like looking dumb uh-huh, or something. I don't uh-huh. know if that's what it was. I didn't, I didn't put my finger on it at the time, but like I think I was just like, oh, no, I don't want to do it. And I always quit everything I did. So it was probably better that I didn't. It <laughs> like I took oh, like right. every kind of class in the world sure. and quit. So if I was like didn't get it right away. Right. Um, and so then I started doing theater, trying to do it in high school and I wouldn't get into any play, probably the <laughs> class. And That's then so now funny. that I think of it. <laughs> and then and she um... thinks she's
0: too good <laughs> for our voice workshop, so <laughs> she doesn't get to be in yeah, our town today. No.
1: And then I did start to get into the we had like a, a show every year called YAMO, which was a kind of an offshoot of Northwestern's variety show called something else similar to that, which I can't remember the name of. And Yamu or something. And so we would do, like, the kids would... Students would write and direct and act in it. And I would get into that every year. Okay. Because uh, it was funny and, like, sketches, right, basically. Right, 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 right. Um, and then I had a teacher recommend that I take improv. So that's how I started, like, doing that. But it wasn't yeah. until I was a senior. Okay. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so funny, too, because I think people that gravitate toward... Improv and sketch comedy have a wh- really weird relationship to theater and, and growing up. And like, I mean, I was a theater major in college, but I didn't go to a school. I didn't go to school to, to do that. But and I, and, and I went to a, a small school that I, and I was able to be in a lot of plays. And so mm-hmm. I did a lot of theater. And we actually had a sketch comedy group in college that I was not a part of so but I always had a hard time finding like my role like I was always I mean because like I've always been tall and so I was usually, usually like the dad and things but I was never really uh-huh. allowed to be that funny and things or occasionally I would get a funny part but like there was this weird like I was always funnier off stage than what I got to do on stage and it was like okay stop all the uh, all that horseplay and do real quality theater and real acting you know and I'm so glad I did all of that and I, and I love that and I love and I you know, I try and go see, like, really legit theater whenever I can because I, I love watching it because I'm like, wow, I could never do that. And it's so amazing. But it is funny how, like, you know, you you kind of are misunderstood or you misunderstand yourself even as a kid. Like, yeah. because you're never really told at an early age, like, you're it, kid. Like, you have this thing. You kind of define it on your own.
1: Yes. And go, I'm
0: kind of weird and different and maybe I should do this. This improv and sketch thing, and you sort of come about it from a different place than, like, the, um, you know, this, like, young star talent that's, like, discovered in the rough.
1: Right, yeah, and I I remember auditioning for all the musicals and plays and, like, really taking it seriously, like, the audition, and Uh really wanting it, and being devastated when I didn't get it, and... I look back and I'm like, but that I wasn't supposed to be doing that. Like, I wasn't right. supposed to be in the Shakespeare right. play. Yeah, like, no, it just I know. Wouldn't yeah. have made sense.
0: No, absolutely, yeah. no, no. And that's the same with me too. That I think about like, well, what part would I do in that? <laughs> you know, and it's like you have to sort of carve out your own way because, like, you know, yeah. And and I and I I'm so glad I did that, but like, I have zero desire to ever do Shakespeare again oh, yeah, I, or, no or like way. anything. You know, or I, I'll go see like. <laughs> Like last year I went and saw Long Days Dreamed at Night and I'm like, wow, four hours of Eugene O'Neill, Jessica Lang, Michael Shannon, amazing. I would never want to do this. I'm thinking that they're doing this eight times a week.
1: Isn't that crazy?
0: There's just no way I I would even would even want to. Yeah. I, and and yeah. it's like they're at the t- they're doing the best of everything. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'm I'm good. Am I am I lazy? Am I just, you know, not talent I don't know, but you know. But yeah, I mean, it's like there's room for everybody in the whole yeah. thing. Yeah,
1: I mean, but. I think doing the same show every night over and over again for months would make me feel insane. But or I would just get—I don't know what I would get. Well, I just
0: closed a play and we did eleven weeks, and it was this, wow. you know. And but we only did four. Sometimes when we were in the middle of the run, we did five shows a week, and it was a lot. And I was really ready for it to be done. And that's nothing compared to how right. the New York schedule is. And it's like I don't understand how they do that. And and yeah, you do start to feel crazy because like. You know, you go through the whole rehearsal process and then you do a couple of previews and you're like sort of, and in, our show was a comedy. So like we had to like really, and it was really broad in a really small space. So we were like, we have no idea what's funny. We have no <laughs> idea what's going to work. And. So it took that and then it took a couple of weeks of us doing it and then I finally like, we hit our groove and I'm like I'm so glad we get to do this and you know and then you get to this point where you're like I cannot believe I'm going to say the same things over and over again because your improv brain kicks in and you're going to be like let's change it up let's right. do it differently let's just let's try something new and and you, you have to keep the same thing over and over again there's a discipline it's like a muscle and you have to be able to do it every time and there were actors in the show i mean most of them were not improvisers they were just really great trained actors and you couldn't go off and just do something differently because it would throw them and then you're just this dick that's like bored it's like oh you're bored drew okay this person's there with you like trying to do this but you know but it's a very different
2: I was just listening to Rory O'Malley talking about something similar. So, he's the king in Hamilton now. Uh-huh, he was on uh-huh. Book of Mormon. He was in everything. Right, right. And he's, he's great. Lovely. He, I actually met him when because he was working on the Prop 8 stuff as well from oh, Broadway great. Impact. Okay. So, he was a big activist for Marriage Quality. Anyway, so he's the king in Hamilton in uh, San Francisco, I think now. Okay. Okay. Um, Yes, and I think was, you're right. He was saying, saying that um, they do so much like publicity stuff and so much like out, like off stage, like stuff that around the show. That now, when it's time to just like, okay, it's time for the show, curtain goes up, and now we're going to be in the characters and we're doing it. It's such a relief. It's like you time off that <laughs> I'm just doing yeah. my routine. Yeah, that was yeah.
0: That's I'm sure for a show like that. I mean, the buzz and the whole thing, and you're constantly going and doing, and that's that was when i wouldn't did my i'm making this all about me when i did hamilton (laughs) no i didn't um no but like when i was dying no i would would love it um but i remember that feeling of like having to go and do interviews when i was doing my solo show and you go and you're doing all this stuff and you're and that's a whole different muscle and then when i yes when i finally got on stage to just do my thing it was like now i can do this yeah because um, it's that's it is that's a lot that's just and it's just a lot of energy and then you don't ever know that w- the energy of the person that's interviewing you and they might be lovely and fun and easy or they might be like and i don't understand how actors do it when they're on these like junkets at, like it's 6 a.m so i've just,
1: never had to do like something that intense yeah I mean, but have you
0: had to do any of that with any i've decisions? done
1: like just little like interviews with like 10 people at a table at a time uh-huh. or whatever and it's I find it so stressful, and I end up saying I just ramble and say stuff I don't mean to say, like bringing up like <laughs> right. politics or something. And then I'm like, well, I didn't want to talk about it. They were just letting me go, and I just like said shit I didn't want to talk about. And like, yeah. I, I just think so many times
0: actors must just be tired and they just say, or hungry. I think it's like basic human things are going on for them, <laughs> and they say something insane, and then and they must feel like I'm like I don't really feel that. I don't really think that. Yeah. Or I just needed a nap, or I needed yeah. a sandwich. And I just want to
1: have an answer. Right.
0: Right. And I think the other thing, too, that I've seen when I've I've learned from actors who do this so much more than, than I do... They just don't answer a question, and then you can move on. And I think, for me, I'm like, I can't not answer I've a question. I've never
1: considered—my my mind is blown right now. Yeah, Like, yeah, you yeah, could yeah. just go, like, oh, I don't know, or something.
0: Yes, like. exactly. <laughs> and then it won't end up in the interview, because if they don't want to talk about it, you just don't answer it. And you're like, oh, right, you can do that. And that's actually totally valid, because— because I just think like, okay, we're gonna talk about this thing. And I don't really want to talk about it. Or blah blah blah. and I'm gonna. Or they'll just ask you some insane question that you, there's there is no good answer to, and so you don't always know. And I've seen from from the other actors that I'm, they go, they'll just go, oh, I don't know.
1: Oh my god! And then they'll just stop. <laughs> this and is like it, a new tool. This yeah. is
0: amazing. And you can be, you know, you can be, you can be nice about it, or you can say, Oh, right. I don't really, I don't really know anything about that. I'm sorry, that was a great question, but I don't know. Yeah, you can do that, and then people have to move on, and that, and it's like such a relief because I'm so, and I think it is that goes back to that improv thing where you're like. Oh, I yes can sweat and, my way into yes, an, I, answer right an answer I'll find an answer I will bullshit my way in like, sometimes you don't want to do that yeah. because you you don't have anything to say and you feel like you have to Yes, and you're not doing it in, as a character you are doing it as yourself and then people finally they hear that and they go I think that person's an
2: idiot and you're like maybe they're just tired or hungry or they were asked a really hard question yeah. or you know I will say, like, as someone who's on the other side of the table, like, I'm often interviewing people. And, like, two things can happen with one of those weird questions. Either, like, I can see that the wheels are turning and the person's trying to come up with something good. And (laughs) I'm like, oh, this isn't working for either. Like, I can't use anything that you're saying. Or, like, they'll just hoist themselves on a petard that is just unbelievable. Like, (sighs) I was interviewing this guy, like like, a gay conservative Oh, boy. Uh, well, that uh, Yeah. Sure. Yes. There's a lot to say about Fascinating. I'm, I'm
0: fascinated, actually, by um, not to poo-poo it. Anyway.
2: And, like, clearly, this was uh, a younger person who was in his 20s. This was recent. And uh, he was trying to educate me about the <laughs> HIV epidemic. And he's telling me all about it. And I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. all right, like, I can tell you have no idea what you're talking about. And then he, like, started saying things about how, like, he would have been supportive of quarantining all gay <gasps> people. And I know. Why? I know, I know. And I'm like, I'm just oh. going to let you talk because, like, I don't have to say anything? I don't have to put any of my judgment into this piece because right, I'm just right. going to say what yeah. you're saying. It's all right here. Yep. yep, keep going, keep digging that grave. Up. Yeah, it crazy
0: that how, how and-, and oh my god! And I, I just, I, I'm, I just give you so many, so much props t- for just. Being quiet yeah, because I feel yeah. like I couldn't be because I'm 40 and I'm too young to really know th- about the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't talk about the <laughs> AIDS epidemic because I was alive during it, but I was like in North Carolina and elementary school and it wasn't affecting me. So I can't imagine like, you know, I mean, it affected me on a deep level that I saw that and I was like, oh, like one day I'm going to have to deal with that. Like, I mean, I knew on some weird core level. And that's as much as I can really talk about it on a personal level. I mean, I can't imagine.
1: No, yeah. and I actually think the power of just asking a question and sitting there is really amazing because I yes. feel like my instinct would be like, you're trying to say, yeah, and like right.
0: <laughs> yeah. help yeah. them or
1: something, but yeah. it's like,
0: don't help them. No, 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 exactly. It's really Let them, hard. Like, yeah. Hang themselves on that, on all of that. and And also... You know, then my heart goes out to someone that's young that just doesn't know better and is just talking out of their ass. And I'm like, I hope in 10, 20, whatever years you look back on this and go, God, I, what was I doing? Yeah, yeah. we all, all made very, mistakes. I'm mm-hmm. very thankful that so many like outlets were not available for me when mm-hmm. I was 20 and thought I knew everything. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah. yeah. You know,
0: because it's like I can't imagine how I would just be like... Well, here's the thing.
1: <laughs> Even About just World Twitter. War like, if you had yes. Twitter and you were just putting out your stupid thoughts all day. Oh, my like... God. If Can you imagine we were in
0: high school and we had Twitter? Like, I can't oh, imagine the things I would so... say. I would have been so... Nasty about people I would have been like How can we prank so and so Or whatever And it would have been awful I think I would have been
2: horrible I mean I So I had a blog Back in the day When everybody yes. had a blog And mm. like I went It's on archive.org Wait Is me. that
1: a thing that Like has everything That ever was It's supposed
2: like, like, to It does have like everything Oh no Because I had a
1: blog too That it's, I hope is uh, uh, <laughs> so You should go check oh, oh, oh. And so
2: I went back And I found it Because I didn't save anything From this blog And I'm like Oh man I like I was an asshole I was just Like I'm mortified At like mm-hmm. me saying things Like I was actually Fairly conservative myself for some reason in my mid 20s mm-hmm. it might have been just kind of like a knee jerk thing I was living in San Francisco and uh, it was you know a- a- I think goes. living in San Francisco
0: would, would make me skew more conservative I yeah. really do
2: because it's it's insane there yeah. <laughs> But you know, I'd write something about like how well rich people deserve to be rich. And I'm like, what? Wow. This, who is this horrible person? Uh,
0: yeah. yeah, everyone everyone deserves to be where they are in their life. Everybody gets so what I they think deserve. All is right in the world, you know, and we all have equal opportunities. We're in America. Uh-huh. So
1: everyone has a chance, and right. if you didn't get it, it's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Could have tried harder. <laughs> have
0: you guys heard Dave Holmes' interview or read his interview with Mike Huckabee? No. no. That is amazing. Wow. Excuse me. Sorry. He does this amazing article where he basically just interviews Mike Huckabee about his comedy. (gasps) And just he goes on and on about comedy. And like, sorry, if you're if you're a snowflake or a cook and you don't get my style, that's just my thing. Don't follow me. And and that was a thing where. Dave just sits back and lets him go. (laughs) And it's this amazing thing where he just feels like he's, you know, so supported. And Huckabee's just going on and on about, like, how to tell a joke. And it's fascinating. I highly recommend it. And it's just like, wow, this guy is just, like, just up his own ass. And, again, let him hang himself. Because the minute you start criticizing, they will shut down and and then you're done. And then as a journalist, you're not really giving fair... You know, reporting, you're kind of saying, but don't you think and you skew a lot more. I mean, I feel like I'm too opinionated to be able to
2: do that. I mean, you know, it's that's that's amazing. At the end of my interview with this gay conservative guy, uh, I think he detected that I was skeptical of some of the things that he said. And so he ended the conversation by saying, "Um, I hope uh, I, I hope I don't come off poorly in your article. I hope you don't say anything bad about me. And I mean, what could I say to that? So I just said, I won't write anything you didn't say yeah that's really great yeah 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 yeah
0: exactly and yeah and also just then don't be a dick Uh, yeah that's the thing i don't understand people like i don't want you to show you know don't paint me in a negative light well then don't be don't be in a negative light yeah Mm -hmm. i mean just at least say i don't know anything but my own perspective and this is how i feel at least Go from there, but you don't when you're when you're generally in that age. You're not that aware. You're just kind of saying, "Listen, I have this opinion. This is in me. It's so full. It's my faith, and I know exactly what I feel." Oh and it's yeah. Just like, well, I
1: feel that way even looking at old emails that I wrote when I was like in my early twenties. Oh, to like guys or something like where I thought I like oh. was like handling it really well, and then I'll look at it. and I'm like, "That was the most insane garbage to write to that person. <laughs> like you didn't know anything." Right. Right. Ugh.
0: And you write, and I you know, I know. I read emails and stuff, and I get. Like so carried away and florid, and I'm just be like, you know,
1: ugh, barf. It's embarrassing.
0: Um, well, I want to hear stories or revelations or
2: whatever's from either of you both of you well so speaking of dumb mistakes we made when we were young Mm -hmm. can i tell you the story of the uh what i'm now convinced was an extremely niche pornographic film that i was in like what What? oh my god what upon my arrival in los angeles yes yes so i'm I'm like i'm all of 21 and uh, i just moved to la like a few weeks earlier, I was going to Emerson College, and they all just dump everybody in Los Angeles because you're all film majors, and what are you going to do in Boston? Sure. So <laughs> they just ship everybody out to LA, and they're uh-huh. like, get an internship. So I got an internship. Is it with the Jim Henson Company? I was so excited. I was like, I'm a big snob about the Muppets. Sure. And so I was super jazzed about this. But it was also unpaid, so I'm, you know, I'm looking on Craigslist, and you know, I know the internship's gonna end, and I'm looking for jobs and uh, gigs and uh, showbiz. So I find this Craigslist posting (laughs) where someone's like, "We need extras for a crowd around a fight. Pays twenty dollars." And okay, sure, uh, and that yeah. seems like showbiz. Uh, I'll do that. So I sure. email the guy. His name is uh, Randy, and he writes back to me. And he's like, "Okay, yeah, this is great. We'd love to have you. Uh, I just would like is to." Randy Blue. I, 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 it's a perfect name for. Well, so anyway, his name is Randy, Randy? Blue is a big famous
0: uh, gay porn site. For I know oh. no one else knows that, but me. But okay. yes, okay. It was sure. maybe, maybe. Surely it wasn't. I mean, maybe I'm sure what, mm. Randy Blue is a made up name, and I'm sure if it was a real person, it wasn't him directly emailing you. But Could, I you never be know.
2: Uh, so his name was Randy and uh, he has a production company called Rat Hole Films so maybe it was Randy Blue (sighs) okay Rat Rat Hole Hole.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing sounds promising promising.
2: (laughs) yeah So, he, and he's like, I just uh, want to meet up with you and walk you through the scene that we're gonna be doing. And um, I was like, oh, that's a little weird for ex- like extra work, but I yeah. okay, sure. Okay, and yeah. So he's like, oh, where do you work? I could just come by your work. And I'm thankful. thank So God. weird. So
0: weird. Yes.
2: Randy's just traveling around uh-huh. town to meet with all the extras. I'll meet you at your
0: work. <laughs> what a <laughs> yeah.
1: psycho. Yeah, well, what's yeah. your
2: mom's name? I'll, I'll bring her <laughs> lunch, we'll go, we'll go with her. And... Thank God, I was not like, yeah, sure, come on the Henson lot. That's just, oh, right. So right. instead, I was like, uh, maybe we could just meet up uh, like, there's a Wendy's down the street on La Brea or whatever. <laughs> That's good. So, uh, we met up Ooh. in the parking lot of a Wendy's. and... Um, oh my God, the parking lot? Yep. You didn't even go in. You nope. didn't, didn't even get a even go in. He just wanted to tell me about his film. Uh, oh, it's this post apocalyptic um, uh, androids taking over the earth and they're fighting with each other. And the only way that the androids can kill each other is by stabbing each other in the belly button. And so, Ew. by the way, the fight scene's all yeah. going to be topless. <laughs> and so, we need everyone to take their shirt off. So, I just need to take a Polaroid of you with your shirt <gasps> off. Oh my God, in the parking lot of a Wendy's. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, Okay, oh, what a oh creep. My.
2: Yeah. Oh my God. And so I'm like, yeah.
1: okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, of course. Yeah. Naturally. Right. Yeah. This is
2: just how it works. Yeah. And so like I take my shirt off and he takes a polaroid of me against the wall of the Wendy's, like, drive-through <laughs> people are driving by past us. And I'm like I getting I their chili and their tenders. <laughs> so he's like, "Okay, and we're going to be shooting the scene to, um, like in 2 days in Running Canyon, so just meet by the gates at Running Canyon." <laughs> yeah. Meet by the gates. No call sheet, just no. meet by the gates. Exactly. So, okay. so I show up two days later. It's on my lunch break from this internship, and I meet him there, and there he is. And he's with the one other actor in the scene. There's just the two of us who are going to be acting in this scene. I'm... I'm shocked. <laughs> oh
0: my God. I can't believe he didn't get throngs of extras. Uh, yeah.
2: And so it's me and this other guy. The other guy was this slightly taller, very chisel faced uh, Christian a cappella singer. Oh, uh, wow. Beautiful. All those blonde, levels. very like Aryan features. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so Randy is, you know, he's kind of, I'd, I'd say like he seemed like a million years old to me. He's probably like mid mid 40s or so <laughs> and but and he was holding a little consumer handy cam camcorder mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to be shooting the film on and so we're walking up into runyon canyon and he's telling us about how kurt vonnegut is involved in this project of what course, of, course course. He is. Yeah, yeah. of course he is yeah, yeah of course <laughs> yeah. and then we take some detour and like we're off like in the underbrush and like in some like what i now recognize is just a cruising spot uh, yeah clearly yeah and so it's up against like the rubble of some building that used to be there and he's you know he, he's like all right so did Get your shirts off, and we're going to get, you know, put suntan lotion on each other because we're going to be out here, or sunscreen on each other because we're going to be out here a while. And uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. Your Are faces, filmed, by the way. Did he film both... that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh. <laughs> and, but then, I mean, like, briefly, briefly, that was not the focus. So then he was very intent about, um, so here's here's the blocking. Like, you're going to be up against well, the wall. Well, he's an auteur. Yes, I mean, he, I, knows he what he wants. Yeah, sure. Uh, you're going to be up against the wall, and the other one is, like, the other android, and you're both androids, by the way. And Oh, uh, oh by the way. Yeah. <laughs> And you have to be, by the way, you're androids and you're shirtless, but you're also wearing like, uh, 1999, like uh, acid wash jeans with like the braided leather belts. Oh. <laughs> no. he brought those. No, no, no. That's what I was oh, wearing. Okay, because <laughs> <laughs> I was quite the fashion plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we're dressed like it's 2001. Okay, yeah. because it was yeah. right, right. And so you know, and so he's like, you're pushed up against the wall, and you're resisting, and you're struggling, and then you throw each other to the side, and then you have a fake knife. Here's the fake knife, and like, thank God, I t- you know tested, make sure, okay, it's got a spring in it. Good. And, yeah, and like then you stab in the belly button, and then the other one dies and like falls over and we're just going to shoot that. And we shot that, and we shot that, and we shot that, and we shot that. And I, like it went on and on and on. By the way, Randy it was, apparently was not aware that when a scene is over, you say cut. So oh. we would just like be rolling around in the dirt in one camera. Oh my god, grappling. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. so, oh. And like occasionally, I like glance over to him, like, "Are we done? Is that it?" And like, and
1: he probably loved that too. Yeah, like, he's like over there, <laughs> watching me, watch yeah. them.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh. And so first, I was the bad who's guy the with the player, who's and being played, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> who watches us?
0: Yeah, uh, who will then, watch the watchman?
2: And. And, like, then it was Switch, and, like, then he's the bad guy, and we're, you know, there's a oh little fake blood. Oh, God. And, yeah. Oh, my God. And then we're done. And the scene shot and Randy's like okay that was great you guys this is really good Um, so we're gonna you know we've got this whole other project that we're working on and if you just give me your address I'll send you the finished project and so naturally I gave him my address of course Uh I did of course course you you do you gotta see the film yeah yeah. Uh and sure enough (laughs) copy
0: credit meals that's what you're that's what you're given (laughs) these (laughs) Craigslist movies
2: true to his word a few weeks later a VHS tape shows up a few weeks later yeah with just just the footage there's no project there's no anything else oh okay it's just 45 Five minutes of me and this guy <sighs> grappling and stabbing each other in the belly buttons over and over and over. What? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I still have the tape. my God. Like, and, just raw footage. Just like, What raw are you going to do with that? Raw VHS footage. That is great.
1: so weird. I'll put it on That's my so reel. So
2: strange. Yeah. So weird. And did you ever see the movie? No. I've don't. I have searched for this man. I've searched for rat hole films. <laughs> and, like, nothing has ever come of any of this other than I have this tape of me at, like, the age of 21 being absolutely mortifying and in this fight. But he did send, like, he actually sent the tape, which yeah. I think is very honorable. I also love, it was,
0: he pitched it as, it was, uh, you were going to be an extra.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right, I want to like, know what happened. Happens. I
0: know exactly. Like you're going to be watching a fight, so in his mind, it was going to be like all these other things. But he saw you, and he's like, "Oh, that's that, that's a star. All we that's need this. is be, All we need. It's all we need." Or Him. like, did
1: he think like hundreds of people are going to reply, and then he got two, and he was like, "Well, I guess those are the leads now." <laughs> yeah, right? I know.
0: I wonder. Like, yeah, exactly. Who could, it was were, were people rejected for this yeah, job? No, you won't do it
2: all. <laughs> no, no, no. Exactly. He won't meet me at, at Wendy's. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and that was the other. I wonder, like, how many people were just like, "This is weird." But I mean, I feel like I did so many things when I moved out here that I look back now and I'm like, that is <laughs> I know,
1: is it's kind of reminding
0: you. Horrible. Like, I know. I mean, I remember with, like, Backstage West and I would go and audition for things. Like, I auditioned in this one guy's apartment. I had to go into his bedroom. And, and, and it was a, a movie about, like, a school shooting. And I had to, like, act like someone had just been shot in front of me and I'm filming an audition in this guy's bedroom. And it was, like, dark in his bedroom. And it was just so <laughs> strange and... You know, you just think about like all this stuff and it's just like, and and then all these people that just prey on new actors and people that just need money Mm -hmm. and they'll just tell you everything and any remote, and it's just like, there's so many vultures here. It's so gross, you know, and-
1: well, and I think you also end up putting yourself in these positions a lot because you are looking for opportunities. Right. And so you're, you're real, you're, your gut is telling you it's wrong, but you're like, but I, what if it's not? And what if it's right. good? And mm-hmm. like, I, I just had one recently, which feels like it shouldn't be possible because I feel like I'm old enough that I should like not allow myself to get into situations that feel like sticky in any way. Right. But I, I was in London and had to self-tape an audition and I had nobody to help me. And so I like, my manager helped me find someone online that like does it or whatever. And it was like a production house and like uh-huh. I thought it was like gonna be like a casting place. And then we set it up to do it at night because it was like my schedule and whatever. And so I ended up having to go very far away. So I, I took a cab there because I was like, well, they, I can take the bus, but I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to take a right. cab and it ended yeah, up being like get... really expensive. But I was like, whatever, I'm gonna just going to get this done. I'm in an apartment complex. It's oh. the dead of night. I And this is
0: just someone who's agreed to tape.
1: Yeah. And I thought it was going to be, it was called like a, they had like a name where it was like someone's uh-huh. like productions so where I thought it was going to be like a casting house. Sure. And it just was an apartment complex. And I felt like... I mean, oh. I've watched Black Mirror and like they yeah. they do a lot of shots like in these weird out kind of out of the city yep. apartments sure. where it's like weird yellow lighting and I was that's where I was and I was like, Oh I'm gonna die. <laughs> oh
0: my <laughs> I god. I was like
1: the guy dropped me off, he's like, You know where you're going? And I was like, Yeah, I'll figure it out. And then I was like, No, I don't, and I don't like this. And I should have just gone home and like, what am I doing? <laughs> but I need this audition and like whatever. Oh, like I it was like oh. I still had like the pressure on myself to like do it. And I mean right. I found the place and it was like a nice girl and like it was in her apartment. She had a room set up with, like, cameras and It was, like, as legit as it's going to be in someone's house, you know. But, like, her, like, big, tall guy roommate was, like, watching through, like, a glass door at one point. Like, I was like, just go away. And I I was, like, sweating. And, like, I did it. And it was fine. And then I got out of there and, like, ran to the bus. And I was like, I should not be doing things that make me feel this way anymore. Like, I should have just gone, that's weird. I'm going to get in the cab and just go back. Like, I don't need to do this at all.
0: Oh, my God. And also, you feel like... I'm being an idiot for being scared like right, all that, all right, that then stuff it
1: was fine. Is like, she was like a young girl it was like nothing's gonna happen but
0: then you're like but I gotta trust my instincts and this isn't right and why am I doing this and why and then you I mean I don't know I always go through this whole spiral of like yeah like, like I should be past this and why am I and oh my god I feel like Such an idiot if I end up dead from this and like
1: that's what this was all for? I had to do a self tape for a pilot or something? Right. No.
0: And it's already (laughs) I mean, I hate self taping auditions because like if I'm in the room, I can go in and be like an idiot or whatever. But even when I ask a friend to help me with it. and It sucks. It just, it feels so vulnerable to be like, here's me auditioning for this thing. Oh, and yes. so then you have to, you add to it. You're like, I'm going to some stranger's house that I don't know. I'm going to be putting myself in front of them. And this is going to be like. And I, to and, and I have to do my best. And I have to do my best. they don't even know
1: what's going on. And I'm trying to
0: get this job. and I, Exactly. It Ugh. was
1: so brutal. And I left being like. What is going on? Like I took like a two buses back for like an hour, and I was like, "I'm insane. This is insane. I need to just like know better." But right,
0: right, I know. Like I should have
1: like looked up how far it was, and be like I'm not going to go that far. Like right. the end. But, but
0: also, you know, just don't you know? You're also, you know, you're like I'm in London. I don't know if it's that. That's just where right, you go. And right. then if you had shown up and it was like in the middle of some, you know complex with, like, and you had seen all the, like, you know, you're like, oh, it just looks like a casting studio. Right. And it'd been fine. No,
1: and I ended up having to do more, and I found another person, um, and they did it out of their house, but it was fine, and he was cool, and it was, like, it made it all normal because he mm-hmm. was, like, a comedy guy and whatever, oh, and okay. it took, it changed it all, but I was still going up to his house going, I'm going up to someone else's house again. Mm-hmm. What am I doing?
2: What am I doing? Yeah. And why? And <laughs> it's so... So nuts because
1: you don't know what you're gonna get. But no,
2: but it just feels wrong to turn down work and under any yes. circumstances.
1: I know,
0: I know. I need. Mean, there's always that part of you that's like, well, this could be the thing, or this could be, you know. And I think we also. It's like I mean, I mean, I, I moved out here like the summer after the Blair Witch came out, and all these things that everyone everyone says it's going to be that and so right. you're like well I know it's going to be really low budget and um but it'll be a great experience and somebody wants me as an actor like I have to yeah. get over that thing that I've had <laughs> all my life of like somebody's interested in me and they're going to you know and I'm going to have to pay a lot of money and I'm going to have to like put myself in danger and probably be <laughs> like humiliate myself in front of strangers but it'll be worth it because it's a job you know and then it's yeah. like oh my god and then I get so resentful when you know, my time and energy are wasted, but you're just like, God, it's just... But I But I also know they're the people who don't ever put themselves out there. They don't do live shows. They don't write their own stuff. They don't go to these things, and they don't work. Right. And so I'm like, and there's also that. And I'm like, well, you don't really, you know, put it out there. You don't put it out that you... Are interested in doing stuff and they miss things. So. Yeah,
1: and I think there are enough times where the risk pays off. we like, yes. or you're, uh, it's awkward, but it's good or whatever. Right. And so you're like, right. it was worth it. And plus, all those experiences make it easier when you're doing something more intimidating. And you're like, well, oh, I've been in someone's weird, you know, or exactly. I shot a thing at Runyon Canyon. I can do this other thing, or right?
0: So like, and yeah. and <laughs> I also think too. The more you do stuff. It's like you know. I do think there's a method to staying busy all the time, so that when you are on something really big or in front of somebody really intimidating, or like, oh, this is a huge director, or I'm working with this actor that I love dearly, or this is a huge opportunity for me, it feels just like going to work. Yeah. It doesn't feel like this big deal thing. You're like, I'm doing this today, and then tomorrow <laughs> I'm in a cab, feared for my life. <laughs> but like, you know, like you know, it. it, it uh, I do think there's a real, uh, a, a good thing about all that about staying yeah. busy and not worrying about. You know, the best project for me because, you know, people that wait around months and months on the, on the big job, when the big job comes, you're going you're gonna to have a miserable time because right. you're going to make it way too big of a deal than it, than it really no, is. That's very
1: true.
2: Yeah. And you never know when that weird thing's going to come. and It's going to pan out. And, you know, like I was just at this convention. And, like I just went. To, it's called Northwest Con. It's like a sci-fi fantasy convention in Seattle. And I was like, I'm just going to go to this and see what I find. And I'm mm-hmm. always looking, you know, as a writer, I'm always looking for like weird LGBT or adjacent stuff to, to mm-hmm. cover. And sure enough, I discovered that there is like an active mermaid community in the Pacific Northwest. <gasps> wow. wow. Yeah. It's folks who, like you may have seen on the Internet, they just get like these elaborate tales and they just splash around in lagoons and pools I've and things. I've heard of it a yeah. little bit. Okay. That's so
1: interesting. Wow. I, I
2: walked out into the hotel pool area and there was a mermaid standing up. She had like this fancy like dress that looked kind of like, a, I don't know, sort of like a Jessica Rabbit thing. Only at the, at the bottom was like the train of uh-huh. the dress was a tail. So she was standing up and then kneeling in front of her, she was being proposed to by a man dressed as Gomez Adams. And, and I, it was oh, a real proposal? It was a real proposal. Oh my God. I was like, this yes. is the most beautiful, Incredible. weird thing I've ever Absolutely. seen. Absolutely. That's yeah.
1: amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. You had to go there. You had to go there for that image
0: alone. You're yeah. like, I'm never going to see this again. Thank God. <laughs> How great is it? Um, uh, and when I was in Seattle,
2: we went to like a party. Was oh, it yeah. like a furry party? We or... went to the furry mm. slash pup party. Yes. I forgot Wait, about what's that. pup? Yeah. Uh, so pup is like, it's like animal role play. Okay. And so Sometimes it's sexy. Sometimes it's not. It usually is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's like, it's, it's kind of like furry minus one. So... Uh, it's just like putting on a dog mask or like you know, oh, p- okay. pause or something. And you're like, do obedience training and stuff like that. And it's a fun, Hi. sexy time. It's something that I'm
0: so not into personally,
2: <laughs> but I'm fascinated by.
0: And I went and I'm so glad Matt took me because this thing is I was like and it was really fun. It was very um Positive and supportive and it felt very much like it was like a, a safe space for people to just kind of be whoever they wanted to be and do whatever they want you know and um, and it didn't it didn't when I was there I mean I, I don't think we were there very long it didn't get like dirty at all or it was just like a, it was a dance party so it was mainly oh, just okay. people in, in like costumes dancing around and, and I think there's something about for a lot of people I think a lot of introverted people or, or, or just or maybe extroverts as well in a different way putting on this mask and like being obscured they were so free Mm -hmm. like seeing these animals I'm like I have no idea what you look like underneath there but this animal dancing around is so happy and free and I kind of got it when I saw
1: it (laughs) I was just thinking of Michael Jackson's kids how he would take them out with like masks on (laughs) but it probably was kind of good for a while because no one knew what they looked like when they were out playing by themselves without him right exactly no that's
0: really smart and you do have to think that when you're Michael Jackson and think about like oh my kids are in danger and you know, and kids in general. I mean, I'm I'm very careful not to even name my niece and nephew on yeah. stuff because it's just sort of like it just takes one person to get the wrong idea and, just you know, and know what they look like and what, the, you know. I
1: know. It's so sad that that is how it is now because yeah. I've had the same thing where I want to post a picture of my nephew and then I'm like – but who am I posting it for at this point? Because, I mean, okay, it's really about just I want to share it because I think he's cute. But right. I can just think that myself because I, there's probably one freaky weirdo out there who I have to be worried about. Yep. And I, I hate that I even have to consider that.
0: I know. I know. But it's it's definitely smart to consider. But I think also we're so wrapped up in, you know, image and now with everybody, you know, uh, just our culture. And there's something about that. I, I never got the furry thing. Because I was so like, what is that? You put on this costume and you guys all play together and stuff. And then you get it where you're like, you lose all of your identity and you get to become someone else. And I'm like, oh, I'm an actor. I understand that. That completely. really does make sense. And I and I understand like, oh, I have so much more power when I'm on stage playing an asshole than I ever feel like I have in life. Uh, I have so much more control yeah. over how I want to present myself. Um and yeah, you can just sort of, you know, you can um, live your dreams and you can be with other people who are not going to judge you. I think that you're weird. And um, and so it was very supportive. Also, I didn't know as some, like, could I go as a, as a is there a name for uh, uh, non? I think there is. You might be called be. a mundane. A mundane. Oh. oh, yes. I love that. I could go as a mundane and not have people be weird and rude to me or think that I'm, you know, sort of. Oggling them and kind of trying to you're tourist I'm, right yeah. exactly because I'm like no I, I'm here for your party and I want to see what's going on and I'm I mean you know just like anything else I don't th- th- you know but I'm certainly not there to like take pictures and point right. and laugh
2: at the zoo you know when I was um, years ago there was this documentary that came out called I think it was called Born in a Barn uh, it was about people who do pony play, which is basically <laughs> pup-play, but you're ponies. And uh, oh, wow. so I reviewed this thing and I wanted to do a little research when I was reviewing the film. And so I tried to join a pony play online community mm-hmm. and uh, you know, filled out this form like it's an application to join this <laughs> like social network. Wow. And I was rejected. They <gasps> said that they didn't think I would take it seriously enough. Oh wow. And they're probably right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't for me. I just mm-hmm. wanted to learn about them. Yeah. And I mean there's a time and a place to learn about people, and there's a time and a place to be like, all right, I'm just gonna back up. I mean I'd been I, Been like a bachelorette party at a gay bar.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Exactly. I was gonna say, like, you know, to to go back to what you're saying, like, the the people that have met one gay person. It's like at a certain point, I just want to be a person, and I don't want (laughs) to be interviewed, and I don't want to be studied, and I don't want you to learn from me right now. I want to be free to go and do this thing without anybody there, you know, documenting it. Right. Right. Anyway, I'm um, Lauren. Yeah. Hi.
1: Okay, so I, I'm really hoping I haven't shared this on a recording before. So I hope not either. We'll be disqualified. <laughs> um, but I don't think that I have. But anyway, I was thinking about this story, this thing that happened when I was little, and I, I, what really like, I don't know. In my whole life I've never really understood liars or like just straight up mean people. Mm-hmm. And I never I'm I'm always shocked when some you find out someone was just lying or something. Like yes. it blows my mind. But there's this story that I my family kind of like really holds on to from when I was little. Um I was in second grade. And I had this really, we had classes where like we would have reading, we'd have one teacher in math, we'd have a different teacher. And so it was kind of like our first step into like going to different rooms for different things. Like usually you have one teacher who does it all. And it felt very like adult. But I had this math teacher and she was the meanest woman Oh. Ever in the world and
0: second grade,
1: yeah. And and I mean, she, my brother had had her, and she had made him cry because he wrote a two backwards and like she was oh. so mean. And she's she looked like a witch and she was evil. And we lived right by my <laughs> elementary school. We lived across the street, so I would see the teachers sometimes out of school and like they would sit. My kindergarten teacher and my second grade teacher would like sit in their cars and smoke right outside my oh. house, and they just have like their big skirts hanging out. Like it was it was kind of amazing looking. They had wow. so much makeup on. And
0: oh, these women—the
1: big hair, like very early '90s, like—and
0: who were they putting makeup on for? Who I they, don't know. What was their audience like? I want to know. Like, why? Who, who would like give you a high five for being mean to, to a seven-year-old? Who, and
1: blue eye blue shadow. Blue eye
0: shadow. Oh, these like gypsy sort. My kindergarten
1: teacher had like gypsy outfits, and then my my second grade teacher was more buttoned up, but she was just a bitch. And so <laughs> we—I I had her for math, and she. I had, there was one day where we had to do this exercise that I still think is very challenging. We had to look at a wall and like the base of the wall and mark how tall your parents would be like laying down against the wall. Oh. Which I think what? is like extremely difficult to conceptualize. I couldn't now. do that now. Yeah, I have no idea how far down the wall I would be. So my dad is 6'5 and I was a child. So to me that is a giant. And, and it's I. It's a giant
0: to people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I marked him really far on the wall i mean it was probably the whole fucking wall i was like he's that tall and then she was like she berated me about it she was very mean she made me cry
0: oh my i was God. i felt like an
1: idiot and and that was that so then i went home that day and i told my mom she made me cry like i didn't want to tell her i was like she made me cry and whatever and and, I, and my mom was so upset because this was the second time, you know, that we, we'd had this teacher and she was horrible. Right. So my mom went to the principal and started talking to her about it and had this whole thing, just like they had a meeting and they talked to the, she my principal was kind of a, a bit of a, I, now my mom said she was just like, she didn't really, she wasn't very firm. She was kind of someone who would like let things slide, but they had this meeting. And so that principal went and talked. She's
0: scared of these smoking <laughs> I know, harpies, uh, I know. You know.
1: And the principal, I guess, talked to the teacher. Whatever it was, all getting worked out. My mom was like very happy. She was like, "I went and talked to her. It's good." So then I was in my reading class, like a couple days later, and I got called out to go down to the math class and talk to her, like oh, in Jesus. her room. No, and my stomach just turned, of and I was like. Oh, no, what is she going to do? And, like, I, I remember I remember oh, so clearly walking God. down the hall and around the stairs and going down. And I saw our janitor, who has been there forever, and, like, always remembers me because I live across the street. And so he's so nice. And I remember seeing him and being like, oh, God. Like, just I didn't want to say, like, what I was doing or where I was going. I was so nervous. I went to the room, and it was very weird because it was, like, they had all the other kids that aren't out in my class in there. So it was, like, a different oh, world. Oh, right, I remember right, feeling right, yeah. very weird because it was, like, I knew them, but I didn't know them. And then she pulled me over to her desk, and she was like, don't you ever... tell your mother that i made you cry don't you ever she scolded me for telling my mom about it and then i cried again and i went home and i mean i don't even i don't remember my mom i think i'm sure i told my mom that i cried again that she told me that and she never got fired look she had tenure i think so she was she's been she was there for many years after And was put down to first grade eventually, so she was brought to even like oh even better yeah great. Anyway, it just haunts me forever because it was so horrible, and I was like, what? Now that I'm an adult, I because we talked about this story like my whole life, but now that I'm an adult, I'm like. What kind of person are you that yes. you would punish yes. a kid for telling the truth to their parent and right. make I, them cry again and you're just mean to little kids why do you even want to work in this field I'm just right. blown why away Right
0: why why do you want you're not making any money No you like there're plenty of other things you could be doing if you make a kid cry once like okay like you cross a line and then you I mean it's bad enough that she's going to call you down there even to say listen I'm sorry I made you cry Right. we're going to try to get through this because then you're already feeling like oh I'm on eggshells with you know with yes. her and she with me and it's going to be this weird thing like let's just forget about it I, Like, that's the thing too as a kid you're like I don't want to talk about it again I'd rather not cry yes. I'd rather the whole thing not happen
1: And then picturing her calling me down in the other class, like, knowing I'm in reading and being like, okay, get her down here so we can have this conversation, like... So humiliating. And,
0: I mean, I always talked about, I mean, my I, 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 like, uh, that I had a great uh, upbringing with my parents, but I had a horribly abusive childhood because due to teachers. Really? There were some of the worst human beings in my, like, the best and worst people yeah. became teachers, I think. And there are people who changed my life forever for the good, who inspired me. I wanted to be a teacher. I went to college to be an English professor because those are my favorite people were yeah. my best teachers. Yeah. But the worst teachers, I was like, they are, there is a, like you said, a mean streak. They're probably mentally ill. They're (laughs) deeply unhappy, their lives, and all they're gonna, they wanna do is crush you. And they're intimidated by intelligence, creativity, uniqueness. You know, uh, they, they don't like their unicorns. They don't like it. You're falling out of line and they don't want you there. And, you know, all they want is like, you know, answer the questions. You know, turn in the answers, you know, whatever. They want those B students. That's yeah. all they want. No, and, I, and we had
1: more in my elementary school than I'm thinking of now where I'm like, they were just scary. Like, we would be like, oh, that one's scary. I hope yeah, you don't that's get the her. Mean one. Right. And it's like, well, that shouldn't be possible. No,
0: I, I did my very first solo show I did was about terrible teachers that I've had over the years. <laughs> and I talked about it. in seventh grade, I had a teacher that humiliated me and she went to church with my parents and she, um, sh- sh- I didn't care for her jokes and she was a horrible teacher. And seventh grade was, th- the worst year of my life. It was my Welcome to the Dollhouse year, and I was called fag every single day of that year, and I was very exhausted and depressed at school and not liking life. And I would put my head down on the desk, and I didn't care for her non-teaching environment that was happening in there. And she would put on Dead Poet Society and try to act like that was her, (laughs) like she was Mr. Keating. And she would just do nothing, and she would just, you know, and I just was like, this is a waste of time. And, I would, and put my head down on the desk and she would start to make fun of me and it just mock me and I just wouldn't have it and I just wouldn't play along with her and then she told my parents that she thought I was on drugs when I was uh. in seventh grade and it was like no I'm just depressed and I'd rather just yeah. I'm, I'm here for an edge, you know. and so that was one of the stories and I told another one about a teacher in high school having a nervous breakdown and then in college I had Maya Angelo, who was a horrible human being which I talk about a lot of other things and it was just Maya, Maya Angelou? Maya Angelo, yes. I know where the cage book sings? Horrible, yes. Horrible? Horrible human being, oh, Maya Angelou. surrogate mother? Yes, and I'm sorry to open that can of worms at the end of it, but like, yes. If she there's was an episode nightmare. you can turn me
1: to to hear. Oh, oh, yes. I, I
0: talk about a lot on other things, and I, you know, she was, that was the thing, that's where I start, the, I, my very first line of the show was, I don't suspect to make any friends here tonight by telling you. All that I think that Maya Angelou is an asshole, and because she was the one of the worst human beings I've ever spent time with. Wow! Uh, yeah, she's awful. Uh, just obsessed with her own celebrity, quoted herself constantly. Really, really proud of every word that that crept out of her teeth, and just had this like, I'm smiling through the pain of existence always. Oh. And a, and talk about a liar, a complete liar, and like, oh my god! Doesn't the,
1: that blow your mind when people yes. lie? Though I'm just so like, wait, what? Why? It's I, crazy.
0: But and also, you know, you're like, she was, you know, basically uh, Paris Hilton about her celebrity, <laughs> which I would understand for Paris Hilton. But you're a poet, and you the way you drop names and all uh, the way you act about how everyone thinks you're so amazing, and you actually don't have anything really interesting to say, and. There was horrible stories about things that she did. I mean, she got $250,000 a year from Wake Forest to just basically show up and talk for three three weeks a year. She would do a class that met like twice a week for three weeks. And she got two hundred fifty dollars a year. And the last like four or five years, she never even showed up. To, but she still made that money. Because oh the college God. could advertise like Maya Angelou teaches here. So, like, these amazing professors who are making so much less than that, who are actually working their asses off, you know, or, like, having to be in her shadow forever. And, like, you know, and she would throw off her classes onto like, other teachers who were wonderful, but then the class would be upset that Maya wasn't there. And mm-hmm. she wouldn't call you by your first—you couldn't call each other by your first name, so, you know, I would have to call you, but you know— um, you know, Mrs. Lapkus and Mr. Baum. Like, I couldn't know your first name. Because we shouldn't assume familiarity with our neighbors. Okay. And all this just uh. bullshit that was all about her. It was all about don't assume familiarity with me. And it was, you had to call her Dr. Angelo. Yeah. And it was like, she was a crazy person. And you're like, you're like way too complicated to be this, <laughs> like this thing that everyone, this Mother Teresa that everyone thinks is so great. Yeah. You're, you're, you're an asshole. Um, but anyway, I... That was, like, my first show, and a lot of it was just about, like, I was teaching improv at the time, and I was a teacher, and I was just like, this is my fear. Like, I don't want to be any of these people. Right. I don't want to be the person in class who's walking in and naming all the people that I know and have worked with and want you to think I'm so amazing. Cause... Or the person who's going to shame and humiliate someone, or the person who's just going to have a nervous breakdown, which the way— But the really fascinating thing about that show to me was the amount of people that came up to me afterwards and wanted to just tell me their terrible teacher story. Wow. Because we all have them. Yeah. Because there's so many that are really like, and it's crazy that you're like, you know, your parents do the best that they can and they do raise you and then they just send you off. And when you're in elementary school, you're spending eight hours with usually one person, you know, that's in charge of you. That's basically shaping you. Through, like, most of your day, mm-hmm. I and mean, you know, five days a week, 180 days a year. That's it's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. Well,
1: my yeah. mom is a teacher and she taught preschool for a long time, then first grade for my a long mom time, and now she's going well. to preschool. Yeah. Oh great.
0: Um,
1: but I, I think it's even sadder thinking of my mom sending me off to someone mean when right. like she was my teacher for preschool and it was like the best experience, and then like I come home being like, This lady's mean to me and I don't know why, I'm like I don't know what's going on, and like she doesn't she can't be there to see. And meanwhile, right. she's like shaping other people's lives in a great way. Like right. all these other yeah, yeah, kids yeah, get yeah, to yeah. have my mom be exactly. a nice lady. Yeah, you know. <laughs>
2: why do they get it yeah like I'm just trying to imagine the thought process of a person who comes home at night and they're like I really made some kids cry today that was yeah. great I, I did a real good job you have to be yeah. a piece I put them of in their shit place. to yeah, like do I that show. every day
0: and not I showed change. them yeah right and it's like yeah like uh, I, I don't understand like what you get out of that and what and what Pleasure? You do, like what power do you need? Yeah. yeah. You know, there was one lady that that taught at my high school. What my algebra teacher, Ms. Fletcher, <laughs> um, and and she was so into gossip. Like she loved gossip and all of our bullshit, our high school bullshit. And then we realized, you know, that she because she went to our high school as a student, and it's like she kind of never left high school. Oh. You know, and she oh, was like a really good yeah. student, but it was that was her thing. And I was like, oh, she's just. Loves high school.
1: Oh, I okay. And... Wait, oh my God! Wait, you just reminded me of this person. <laughs> we had this gym teacher who was like really hot, like this young woman, and she was like probably like twenty five, uh-huh. and she came to our high school and started teaching, and it was like all the boys were like going insane for her, and she would kind of flirt with them, and I mean she of definitely like, liked she did. it. And then one kid slapped her on the ass one day, <sighs> oh, and boy. she got so mad. But it was like you did kind of set this precedence of like we. Joke like this, we flirt. I mean, he should never have done that. It's disgusting. Of course, of course. Side note about her: I always wear my seatbelt in cabs because she didn't do that in a cab one time, and they they came to a sudden stop, and her face went into the glass, and oh. she knocked out her teeth. Oh no! Oh my god! So always god. wear a seatbelt, especially wow. in back of cabs, because yeah. people think they don't have to for some reason. in cabs, Right? I know.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But I don't know if I interrupted your story. Well, no, 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 no. I love out that. remembering her.
0: Well, there was <laughs> yeah, we I, you know like that's the other thing too, when it's like. You're 25 and you want to still be the, you know, you're like, where can I go and be? It's like (laughs) Matthew McConaughey and Daisy of Hughes. Like that person who's, because we had a drama teacher that likes, that she was like, early 20s and she would and she was directing the play but she also would smoke with the students and she cussed see
2: that's so weird and you call her
0: I don't remember because I never worked with her I didn't but but like she uh, (laughs) worked with her I worked with my teachers (laughs) Um, but she would call I'd make everybody call her by her first name and there was that thing where you know and you're like I know she's fucking one of the students or she wants to or she's, she's putting that energy out there and it's that's that thing where you're like, yeah, of course that kid should never have have slapped her ass, but she's so wanting to be this. What are you? I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I I don't mean to sound like. She was wearing a short skirt. What no, do you no, because that's what but, I
1: got afraid that I was saying. But no, it, it no, is but like,
0: it's a thing where you're like, no, there's something psychologically where you're like, you want to be, you want to be worshipped in that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're
1: allowing them to flirt with you, and you're flirting back. Like if a right. boy is going to think that he can do that to a teacher, they must have said enough things to him that made that seem okay. Absolutely. Like, and he wasn't a kid that was like really. He wouldn't. I wouldn't have put him in that category. So right. It's like, right.
0: Yeah. And it does work both ways. You have to be able to see both sides of of those stories sometimes when you're like, you you know, you're an adult. You have an ability. Like, even, like, I teach adults at the Groundlings, like... Most, I mean, I have students that are older than me, but everybody is at least, like, 20 or older, so it's a different dynamic, but still, I'm in a power position. Yeah. Like, still, I mean, I I could definitely get away with things, and people go, oh, I need you to like me, so yes, I'm going to (laughs) go along with this, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, no, you have to be aware, like... That that's not okay. Well, that's that not...
1: Ha- I remember that happening in Chicago. That there were, that there were certain improv teachers who would always date students. Oh, where you are like, well, you are oh. we're forbidden. Yeah, oh, really?
0: I I I think I could say this. I don't. She certainly wouldn't give a shit. But it goes all the way back to Kathy Griffin, because Kathy Griffin used to used to date so many students, and to this day, I mean, <laughs> think about when Kathy Griffin was teaching in the Groundlings. It was a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> And to this day, they're like, you cannot, we're not allowed to, we're not supposed to really hang out with students while they're in our class, which I understand completely. Yeah,
1: I think that makes sense.
0: We're also in charge of their future. Like we have to decide if they, if they move to the next level or not. And
1: even like, it's
0: very complicated. Even when in my class that I've, that I love, we'll have like a party afterwards and they want to be like, come over to our house. We're going to have a party. I'm like, I'm not going to go because I'm going to go and then hold court the whole time. And everybody Mm. just wants to talk to me and it's going to be exhausting for me. And I don't need that. I don't need an audience like that. And and I want you guys also to be free to p- talk shit about me. And, right. And, 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 yeah. But I also just don't want, you know, because you do. There are students that you and they walk in the door and you're like, oh, my God, I love this person. They're so wonderful. Uh-huh. But I can't show that favoritism. And I'm certainly not going to socialize while yeah. we're in class. The minute we're not in class, we can be friends. And some of my best friends I met, I was their teacher. And But that's happened later and organically after the fact, right.
2: not yeah. during. Well, part of being an adult is just having boundaries and maintaining reasonable boundaries. Right. You know, I, had, I had two teachers that were really meaningful to me in high school. One of them was a physics teacher who... Maintained reasonable boundaries. He was he was a great friend to the students in a, like a responsible way, and he would encourage interests and stuff. But we didn't know nothing about him outside of school. And you know, we got little glimpses. I got little glimpses because he once uh, advised my friend and I about how to turn down a drink at a bar. And I, he detected something. I think in my in my friend who was like she's going to grow up to be the kind of person who's going to be offered a lot of drinks uh-huh. at bars. Mm. And I think he was also preparing <laughs> not me an for alcoholic, but <laughs> someone who's
0: just going to be offered, offered a lot of drinks. <laughs>
2: she had she had a uh, she was she was a very inviting person Uh okay and um, then I think he was preparing me for gay bars Uh, (laughs) sure and you know we we talk a little bit about about gay bars and about the dynamic at gay bars Uh, but in very general terms and then after I graduated then it was you know first name basis and then he would email the occasion and then he introduced me to his partner and stuff like that right well there you
0: go and that's a different thing yeah I mean I love that I'm friends with teachers of mine now that, that, that you know and I have so many that I'm still in touch with, and it's a very different dynamic. But while you're in that, it's just like. But I also just feel like if you know, if any friend of mine is is directing me in something, they're the director for that amount of time. They're not just oh, that's my friend. No, they're in charge of <laughs> right. Me. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gonna do what they tell me to do, and I'm gonna do that. And they have to that responsibility. And when you're in charge, is like yes, I have someone there that's vulnerable, and I do have to have boundaries because I could. Spend, you know, I could spend my entire classes just talking about my opinions about movies, and my class would just let me talk. <laughs> like I have to be the one to go. Hey, let's work. And I've had
1: those teachers yes. that just will talk forever. And they're like, "Are we going to do what? the yeah, thing that right. we came here to? Yeah, Why am I for exactly. this? Exactly. Yeah. Right.
0: Exactly. Yeah."
2: Well, and then like the other, I had this other teacher in high school who like was the opposite of that. Like, he was really meaningful to me. He taught me a lot. He was a history teacher, and he was very like I can't remember if it's right brain or left brain, but creative. It was all like right yeah. being creative about history, which I great. Think that, I think it's right brain. I yeah.
1: almost said left brain. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <God>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, one of his things was like he had to have a journal, and he had to just like write your thoughts about what we were learning about history. And I loved that. And he was like, dates aren't that important. You can always look dates up, but you have to think about why this is why this meant something.
1: Oh and my God! Such I wish a good someone teacher. had said that. that that to me because I was like, I don't get the dates. I hate history. Exactly. (laughs)
2: Exactly. But he also was the advisor of the literary magazine that we had in high school. And so he encouraged us and put put all this stuff into the magazine. And so like he never put the brakes on anything that we did. And um, we put out this literary magazine that had some some rather inappropriate things in it, like of somebody course. identified a teacher, like and had like this very uh. unflattering like writing about the teacher, who was, by the way, he was like a fourth grade teacher that she wrote about, and uh. word got back like through the school system that she had written about him, and he was livid about this. And then we had, uh. Like I, I, oh my god, I wrote I, just pornography. I wrote pornography, like just like uh. a sex scene, like a lurid sex scene. I love it, featuring between Christopher Columbus and Queen Isabella. That's I, awesome. I, 'cause I thought that was hysterical, but it was also yes. very graphic. Yeah. Yes. And like there was stuff like that and um the school was just like very unhappy about this and the <laughs> teacher got in big trouble and later he got fired for smoking I think it was for smoking pot with students I'm not sure about that mm-hmm. but um, but it was certainly something that happened and uh, so he just got in a huge amount of trouble and I felt terrible guilt because I was like oh I put all this stuff into the literary magazine and I got him in trouble and looking back he really should have been the one to he should have been the one to yeah. say no yeah, exactly. he was the grown up but right. it, like for me as the kid like I felt like I had done something wrong yeah. by, by not having boundaries when, well
0: and that's the problem with you know when people talk about abuse you know Mm -hmm. there's a whole thing with abuse when a child abuse because you as a kid you're like this is great you know he's giving me candy and what he's doing to me feels good and then he gets caught and then you feel guilt and then you're like I hate that this felt good you know all that I mean that's all that is the same and obviously he was not that you know, kind of person, probably, but also he didn't. What part of him didn't know? Like, yeah, don't get high with students. That's just dumb. Yeah, yeah. Like on top of everything, like you know, just like you will get caught. Yeah, they will talk because yeah. the first thing students want to do is come back. And be like, oh my god, I just got high <laughs> with Mr.
2: You know, what's doodle? Right, and like he would take us on like day trips to to Bard College. So he used to go mm-hmm. to Bard College, and one of the students, his former students, went to Bard College. So we went on this like long day trip to Bard College, just hung out at a college with art. He was. I was a student. I was his student when this happened. And it was just like a really friendly let's go to Denny's kind of hangout. And I'm like, "Mm, this is maybe... like at the time I had no idea you're just excited you're like you're fun right but then like this is so adult and forbidden right but then looking back on it like even just a year or two later I was like oh weird like I don't think that was okay
1: yeah but I'm not
2: sure
0: because I'm not a grown up yet exactly and as a kid you're like they all know more than me they all they they know the answers I don't I'm a kid right I'm told all my life that I don't know Mm. and that people older than me always know And you know, yeah.
1: And there were teachers who hated when you were when they were aware that you were aware of that. Oh, yes. I had a teacher who he would mess with me, but it was like it made me so mad. And I, I like have this very distinct memory. It was a TV radio class. My school had like this thing. It was really cool, and we could like practice using cameras, like TV cameras and stuff. And he, but there was a camera in the classroom, and it would go to the TV. And like a live feed or whatever Uh and he and I hated him and I thought he was like really creepy like a pervert kind of guy he was just like very like and I just didn't like him and I really always in high school would like show my feelings like to anyone (laughs) so I didn't like him and I was just like very sour to him all the time but he would like use it as like a way to like I don't know he would zoom in on my face on the screen while I was like pouting (gasps) and he'd be like you have a face for the camera and like say like creepy things that were creepy to me but I'd be like like, looking, like, in the camera, like, really mad. It's actually kind of funny now. But, like, I actually look back and I'm like, that was really inappropriate because I was really yeah. uncomfortable and I really didn't like it. Like, it is kind of funny as, like, a story. But, like, it's gross and weird when I was like, he's a pervert and he makes me uncomfortable. And then he would, like, zoom in on me in a creepy way. It's like, Ugh. Meanwhile,
0: he has all these cameras set up at his house, like, sliver. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, you know,
0: like, it's just, like, everywhere. <laughs> cameras. Oh Well... Um, on that note if you're a teacher don't be a creep inspire kids don't take them out and get high with them or film them or just like (laughs) you know better like basically don't be mean just like be a human being you've got you've got like young vulnerable shapeable minds in front of you and just be aware of that. Or, or just don't be a teacher. Like, it's it's terrible money. You have no respect. Like, d- just do something else. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Start a rat hole production company. Yeah, yes.
1: You, can, you don't have to <laughs> pay people much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is take
0: Polaroids of them topless at a Wendy's, <laughs> show up with two crisp $20 bills, <laughs> and your own setup, you know, little camera, right. and film them fight. And Oh, and then tell them they're aliens. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. BTWs. I love that well um, I want to thank my guests Matt Baum and Lauren Lapkus thank you so much for coming to the show you guys thanks for joining this is wonderful delightful everybody this has been another episode of Drew Drogie's Minor Revolutions I said Minor Revolutions but I meant Revelations goodbye